Good morning, everybody. Well, it might not be morning while you're listening to this, but at least good something. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the Sheepdog Podcast. Uh, again, you have me, Michael Sullivan, Johnny Drew, and Father Jacob Willick here with you. Oh, yeah. Sheepdogs. Um, Sheepdogs. Yeah. So, um, Johnny, what are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, yeah, today, uh, just the church's teaching on the beauty of human life and what that actually means for us. Um, I want to kind of just get right into it, um, actually, with a quote that I heard at the uh, Pro-Life Summit right after um, I went to the March for Life a few years ago. Um, but I guess, Father, would you like to start us in prayer? Yeah, let's do it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the life which you've bestowed upon each one of us. We thank you for the life that we share, the community that we experience and uh, the life of your Son, by which we come to know you, Father. And we give you all the thanks and praise. May we continually glorify you and know your life within us. We ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So this quote is, uh, this was at the Pro-Life Summit, so it was about <clears throat> talking about the pre-born children who are killed through abortion, and this is not necessarily church teaching, but it's kind of uh, Fulton Sheen, uh, he sometimes has a beautiful imagination, and uh, I think it also hits on a few things, so here, here it is. When the time comes, as it surely will, when we face that awesome moment, that final judgment, I've often thought, as Fulton Sheen wrote, that it is a terrible moment of loneliness. You have no advocates. You are there alone, standing before God, and a terror will rip through your soul like nothing you can imagine. But I really think that those in the pro-life movement will not be alone. I think there will be a chorus of voices that have never been heard in this world, but are heard beautifully and clearly in the next world. And they will plead for everyone who has been in this movement. They will say to God, spare him, because he loved us. And God will look at you and say not, did you succeed, but did you try? Well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Again, not, not necessarily ex-cathedral teaching, but I do think, I don't know. I just, it hit me. It, it was powerful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it brings it brings to to life what we were we were gonna touch on today, which is that um, <clears throat> whatever like society says about um, preborn children just brings about that they are truly human life mm -hmm. life from conception um, that they are um, yeah yeah no, that's so great too it just reminds me of God's special love for children um, by the time you hear this podcast it'll be the Sunday which we've just had but. Um, Jesus speaking about do not prevent them from coming to me you know is the gospel we're going to be hearing and uh, just the power of that like God's love for children and he speaks about like it's people with hearts like these children that are going to be in the kingdom you know and so how we just need that childlike heart 
Um, and so God's great and amazing love for uh, children and, you know, just the vulnerable, the those who have just such a faith in their parents, you know, like the Lord wants out of us. Um, and yeah, also then how are the love that we should have uh, for children also when that's just the same as our Lord does, right? As we talked about a week or so ago, just, you know, shouldn't we not love what our Lord loves, you know, and just this great love and care for children, you know, do not prevent them from coming to me. And so, uh, yeah, just the power in that, you know, learning to love as Christ does is something I think I'm always trying to learn. I'm sure we all are, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And just, I think the, the question I always get is like, why are you pro-life? Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes when I answer, I answer it strictly through like the science and logic, which you can, you can, you can honestly win that argument. Mm-hmm. You, this isn't, doesn't need to be a religious argument because a lot of people you talk with aren't religious uh, that, that are pro-choice. But I think when you touch on the eternal life aspect of yeah. and just like the Catholic teaching on life, it makes your argument uh, so much more powerful because uh, the imagery of all these all these children who we don't see in this world but are going to be seen in the next world. Uh, yeah, just imagine imagine that and and how how it is. Yeah, just that powerful. Now that is powerful too, and it just reminds me of just the gravity uh, or the importance of each and every life. You know. I mean, Hear sad stories in the news sometimes about people dying, you know, or being killed, being murdered or whatever. And so we realize just like the eternal uh, aspect of, you know, each body also has a soul, you know, and so how it is eternal, right? An eternal soul. And so it's just good to remember that the Lord gives each and every one of us that uh, as humans. And uh, so just the beauty that is there, the Lord wants us to abide with him in this world, but in in the next. Um, Yeah, so how great. Yeah, I uh, I want to touch real quick on on life at conception. Mm-hmm. Like why why do we believe life life at conception? Uh, one real quick. Uh, this is just all the science behind like what happens at conception. Um, it says this one celled life has twenty three chromosomes from each parent. Uh, contains the entire genetic code for every detail of individual human development. It has its own genetically distinct DNA and may have a completely different blood type not to mention sex, uh, than the mother. And, um, yeah, upon the first cell division takes place is about one day, and then from then on, rapid cell division occurs. So just from at conception, uh, life actually has all its DNA. It might even be a different sex than the mother. Um, things like eye color are already um, decided on. And uh, it's, the only, it's the only time where um, objectively... It makes sense to um, decide when when life begins. Any other thing you you want to call life starts at, at birth, um, even at consciousness, um, at any of these things. There's a contingency upon life, but I think when life begins at conception, there's no contingency there, and it's it's a real uh, objective stance of when life begins. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and a lot of it then is just like once this new life begins, obviously conception then. We see that the quality changes, but like of what it is, the what it is, you know, like the objectivity of what it is, is made a conception basically. And then it just has to grow and be formed from there. You know, but it's like definitely a new being with, like you said, its own DNA. It has everything it needs uh, to grow to that fullness of human, being a human. Um, But it's good that we judge things on that, like its potential. 
we judge things on their potential. We don't say like, oh, um, yeah, judge things on where they are right now because we have to base that on the potential of a human person. You know, like if it's a little kid, you know, they don't understand like higher math yet, but you know that they have that capability, you know, to grow and study. And so you judge uh, what it is on like its potential. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. so it's just... Yeah. Very helpful in judging that, you know, if like someone's older now, 90 in their 90s and they're losing their mind, you can't say, well, they're not really human anymore. Yeah. You know, um, but just the the grace that is there too, you know, or the life, just the gift of life. Yeah. One interesting observation too, we were talking with Thomas the other day, focus missionary here at Miami, and he was talking about an interesting thing he observed that like pro-choice, pro-choicers recently, he feels like they've gotten away from the argument that it's not life in the womb. Like the argument that you used to always hear is, oh, it's just a bunch of cells. Mm -hmm. But I think especially as we get more technology and like ultrasound imaging and all these things, it's almost uh, you can't deny the existence of life at that point. Um, and then you kind of have to switch your argument to other things, which right. is always even worse. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's an interesting observation too that, that sure. yeah, it's almost like you can't deny it. Yeah, so I, I don't know. My my point on on this has always been like, abortion is such a horrible thing, and it's been a result of society's movement away from responsibility, having a role in society, having a purpose, and having responsibility to others. If you think about it, like like as father fatherlessness has grown in America, so is abortion, and how like. The responsibility that men are supposed to take, that women are supposed to take in order to be a part of that family and be accountable for one's actions, um, the more that people divert from that, the more abortion um, becomes a, a bigger and bigger problem in America. Um, so I've, I've always thought, like, it's so, it's so sad how, you know, some people would just never have that role model that shows them like, oh, this is like what a responsible father looks like, or this is what a responsible mother looks like. And I think it just shows like the immaturity of our times where um, people are willing to be like, oh, I'm, I'm out of that. I'm, I'm, I'm removing myself from that situation. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, it's, it's such a, like a, I know that's more of like a societal aspect of what, and I know you guys were talking a little bit more technically about it, which I'm not, I'm not too well versed in, but yeah, I, I think just like societally, it's just one of our biggest failures ever. Yeah. Um, and, and I can, you can almost sympathize in a way because you understand that like, okay, so this woman, she's probably, probably young, probably very scared and is making, you know, a ginormous decision. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that it weighs on her heavily. Sure. So I guess like it, it's, it's very like if there's no one there to support her right. in any way, right. if there's no one there to guide her and to help her and let her know that everything's going to be okay, which many women don't have that today. Mm -hmm. It, it it's almost like setting that girl up for failure. Mm -hmm. So I would like to, you know, propose the idea that maybe just us guys at Miami, you know, we're going to vow that no, no matter what happens in our lives, we're always going to be there and be responsible um, yeah. because this isn't just a woman's issue. 
Yeah, that's so good too. Because yeah, you just imagine the isolation that people feel in that moment. Feel like they have nowhere to turn. You know, so like we never. Yeah, we're not there to like condemn people for sure. Because yeah, just how uh, how difficult it is in those moments. But like you're saying, like what can we do? How can we step up? How can we support these women? Um, it's amazing too. Yeah, you mentioned just the huge uh, like on the other the thing you mentioned. Firstly, the big societal problem of I think what it really comes down to is separating uh, sex from having kids, right? And so that's like a thing our society's done. A big part of it is contraception, of course. But so the idea of like now it's just like all pleasure and you don't really have to think about having kids, you know, with that as were the old days, you know, it was like they had to take responsibility. But you just got to get married because you're going to be having kids together, that kind of thing. And so now this idea of just like uh, these two things which are made to be together, um are like totally separate in people's minds you know just like okay well we're just gonna have fun and like yeah there's like no consequences in their mind you know and so how because of that we've really lost like men taking responsibility or even thinking about that until someone's pregnant you know then suddenly um they feel that pressure or whatever um but yeah so contraceptive contraceptives have kind of like given a whole mindset to our society which now we see the the bad fruits of it, I guess you could say, of not, no one taking responsibility of women being disrespected. Uh, people just, yeah, looked at, you know, purely for sexual reasons. And, um, yeah, people, uh, not even really valuing life as much anymore now, because now it seems like a threat. Fertility is looked more at like a threat, but really we should hold up women as like fertility is one of the most amazing things we have. Uh, and so they should be held up for that and like, just totally honor that. And, um, yeah, and when it's lived out right, right, like in a marriage, that the guy should be attentive to that too, you know, and like um, they should both, of course, be in that conversation, but being attentive to how the woman's body works, you know, the cycles and all that. Um, and just uh, he has should have a great respect for that and have it just helps create the good intimacy to have conversation because they have to talk about it all the time, you know, like, oh, <laughs> You know, is this a fertile time or not? You know, you know, should we enter into intimacy? Are we ready for another kid? Just like these beautiful conversations, which are basically just being all thrown out, you know, and it's just being either assumed that people are going to, you know, be intimate or not. And so there's a lot of intimacy on the human level, which is lost um, just for this moment of like sexuality. And so that's like a huge rift, which people don't realize, you know, because they're just thinking with their bodies sometimes and not with their minds. So uh, that's a, a huge problem, I think. Yeah, that that's that's really an amazing point, Father. Just like that, this actually like this problem of life and abortion. Michael, you touched on this too. Is, is that like it's deeper than the um, the moment where the woman walks into the abortion clinic? It's actually so much further behind that. And I know Jason Everett talks about how he uh, he was one time praying in front of an abortion clinic, um, and he was doing that pro life work, and he saw this nun. That was just like, she like basically saved like 20 women that day from like entering into the abortion clinic and like helped them find the resources they needed. Mm -hmm. And Jason never like looked at that and was like, okay, obviously this woman has this gift mm -hmm. to um, just help these people in need. I do not have that gift. Mm -hmm. He was like, I do not have that gift. But what I think I, God might be calling me to is talk a lot more. He said, why am I why am I experiencing this problem so late when the woman is on the verge of, of the abortion? I need to be um, tackling the issue um, way back before on the issue of chastity. 
So that that's what made Jason Everett like go and, and become a big, they call him the chastity guy now. Um, you can find his talks on YouTube and stuff. Um, but I think that's where the conversation needs to happen. And it's where a lot of people don't understand, as you were saying, Michael, just like a beauty and witness of like Catholic love and responsibility is nowhere to be found in life, which is why no one can, can wrap their heads around like how abortion could be illegal because we're living in a society that doesn't value that love or responsibility, that doesn't even know what those words mean anymore. And so um, I wanted to mention today like the idea of Catholic love and what that means yeah. and how in order to be true, it needs to be free, total, uh, faithful, and fruitful. And um, so, yeah, what does this mean? We could walk through it real quick. Uh, fruitful, the first one, uh, just be fruitful, multiply the first words, our first commandment, really, to Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis mm -hmm. from God um, and how love, uh, and Father, you touched on it, how it can't be separated from this procreative aspect of um, intimacy. And so, um, yeah, love needs to be fruitful. Um, it needs to be faithful. Uh, yeah, just in, in marriage, uh, needs to be a, fidel, a faithful relationship. And then free and total, there can't be anything um, preventing uh, this, like, relationship and uh, that's why artificial contraception it doesn't make it um, for your total um, faithful or fruitful that's where um, I think the problem really stems from and I think too um, I think we're gonna talk about an encyclical real quick uh, but a lot of people think oh the church's view on artificial contraception it's so outdated like come on just get with the times but it's actually like one of the reasons why I love being Catholic so much because it's in our day and age at least uh, one of the biggest things why, as Catholics throughout all time, we have always been countercultural, just against the world. And I think it's one of the things that makes us most Catholic these days, is standing up um, against these things like uh, contraception. So Yeah. And I just clarify, too, like, it's amazing how the couple is given a great freedom in all of this. You know, of course, like, they need to be free. So, meaning, as you kind of said, you know, that... Uh, People, we can't have shotgun weddings, right? People got to have freedom to choose to love, which is awesome. Um, but just in that, uh, the idea of, yeah, openness to life, that it's beautiful too that the couple, I mean, it's their decision, right? Of course, a lot of people don't understand natural family planning. They think like, oh, that doesn't really work. Of course, it's like 98%, 99% effective. But not only that, but the idea that, um, yeah, that the church never tells you how many kids to have, right? Of course, we're called to be generous, which is awesome. But also we realize that like the couple has to have those conversations of like, okay, are we ready for another kid? You know, this kind of thing. Um, but like called to a great generosity, which is awesome because we realize the fullness of life. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, we could have a whole podcast on yeah. that. But it, it is like such a beautiful thing. And I think you're going to share something maybe too about just uh, someone you encountered recently. What was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, a brother I uh, talked to a couple weeks ago, he's in the Legionaries of Christ, um, and he was just sharing his witness, of, uh, like his testimony with me. And so this guy, uh, basically in seminary to become a priest, and but he said he grew up Baptist. I'm like, man, how, how, where did that like switch, like change? And he was like, you know, I was like in college, regular college guy. And then I met this family um, of two, uh, 10 kids, and uh, he said one summer he just needed to stay with them because of like how his school worked out. And he said just witnessing this beauty of life that this family had of just like you said, living generously. I mean, uh, clearly by having 10 kids and but also just like 
living that love of free, total, faithful, and fruitful. Mm -hmm. And he saw the fruits of that. He saw the beauty in that. And he said, like, before uh, he had any uh, theological debates or anything else, he said his heart had already changed by seeing the the witness of life that this family um, lived. And so that's really what what changed his heart towards Catholicism, which I thought was a really powerful story. That's so great. Actually, I think I could relate to that. Well, I know I can because... You know, I'm from a big Catholic family, eight kids, and people would always ask me, like, what priest really inspired you to become a priest? You know, and I have an uncle who's, uh, you know, he's a priest forever. He's since passed, but a great priest. But then another great priest was inspiring. But um, the thing that really inspired me was, for me, also my parents and realizing, like, they gave up so much. You know, my mom is her doctorate or PhD or whatever, and she stayed home to homeschool and have eight kids and do all this stuff. You know, we didn't have, like, a ton of money growing up. But when I got old enough, I realized, like, my parents have given me so much in my family, you know, like, what do I have to give back? You know, like, if I just do my own thing in life, I'm going to feel super guilty. (laughs) So it's like the Lord calling me on because the generosity that I had received, my parents, you know, my mom giving up her dreams. She had all these dreams she thought were going to make her happy, but then she kind of, you know, decided to do this and just give up so much for us and my dad also. Um, And so that... Yeah, when, I, when it came down to it, I realized from my vocation also, it was just like the generosity of my parents. I realized that is like true, fruitful love, right? Not only just like how many kids you have, but like the generosity you have towards God and towards life, that it's just infectious and that is so beautiful. You know, when we live that life, that generous life, that gospel of life, then it's just fruitful, you know, in spiritual ways and so many powerful ways. So um, I can definitely relate to that because I think it's the same for me, really, like my parents, you know, the reason why I'm a priest today. So I think some people, you know, when they're, when they're making those big decisions, when they're first going to get married, when they're going to have their first kid, some, what my mom always said was like, you're never going to be ready to get married fully. And you're never going to be fully ready to have your first kid. Mm -hmm. So you just, you know, do it (laughs) and hopefully it it will all work out. Have faith. Yeah, that's right. That's like, yeah, putting out into the deep. One of my favorite stories is my, my brother has this good friend. And, uh, so they had their first child, you know, married their first child. They're about to bring it home from the hospital and just like the immediate lifestyle change, you know, like suddenly having this life, which you have to care for like 24 seven all the time, you know? And so they're leaving the hospital, this guy and his wife. And in his mind, he's thinking like, they're like just giving us this baby and letting us leave like with no instructions or no like, you know, whatever. Like we got to figure all this out. Like he's like, I don't even know if I could do this, you know, they're leaving the hospital. But I think that's how we all feel like you're saying, Michael, like, oh my gosh, you know, is this like, can I do this? Like whatever our vocation is or call, but, mm. but God provides, you know, he just calls us outside of the boat, right? Like Peter and uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll help us. That's one thing my mom, you talk about like your parents living that witness. I mean, totally for mine too. People that don't know, I'm the ninth kid that my mom had. Mm -hmm. So talk about, I always say, my mom stopped at eight. You know, I wouldn't be here. Whenever someone's like, I'm only going to have two kids. I'm like, you know what you're saying? You're saying I shouldn't be here right now. Um, But yeah, just, I, I totally understand too. Like my mom living that witness of generosity and just being so like open to life and and like you said, I think uh, it's really funny you mentioned that generosity because we had a Franciscan priest come visit us last year to our Bible study. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, someone asked him the question of, 
Father, like, how can we, how can we better prepare for our vacations? Mm. And he said, just pray. And this is something that St. Ignatius of Loyola always did too. Pray for the gift of generosity. Because whether you become a priest or you become a husband, uh, you will always need that gift of generosity. And then he said, like, and guys, girls always like a guy that's more generous than <laughs> someone who's not. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's, that's something. You just reminded me. I need to start praying that every day again because, uh, so good. yeah, I'm so, I will so just not be generous if I'm by myself, my own selfish you know? Right. It's amazing how it pulls us outside of ourselves to love more. Cause sometimes like fears myself too, right? Get stuck in our fears or we want to prepare for more than today, you know, like, Oh, what about tomorrow or saving up all this stuff for later? But it's really all about today when it comes down to it, you know, how can I be generous today and just live that? Father, did you have something from, uh, from Mother Teresa you were thinking about? Sharing. Man, yeah, I was just trying to think, you know, she was a pro-life warrior. Mm. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, but I mean, I remember when she came into the U.S. in 1981, she came to speak at the, I believe it was the White House or maybe the House of Representatives, one of those uh, on a conference on natural family planning. Uh, and she had her sisters, you know, learn that so they could teach others. You know, they were all about homes for orphans and all that. And she was just not afraid. Um, but one quote that I found here today, uh, which... Uh, is from her, which I so, think so great. It says, abortion is profoundly anti-woman. Three quarters of its victims are women, half the babies, and, and all the mothers. Um, and so just like her love for women and how I think we need to um, just, yeah, hold up. Like women deserve so much more. Not really just women, but like all of us, right? And so I love, Michael, you call it on the guys. Um, because we need to, uh, the concept of mindset is just like disrespecting women. You know, they think like, oh, it's a great freedom for women to decide. Uh, but the fact of, um, yeah, women deserve so much more. You know, they need this care. They need this love. And I think a big part of it is just us being men. We need to be called on ourselves to support uh, these women in need, you know, because a lot of it is on the men, um, you know, who just uh, were not there, you know, or the guys in the relationships feel the same kind of fears like, oh, I can't do this or, you know, I'm incapable or I can't be a good father. I'm not ready. So however, we could just bring that to encourage, to show by our generosity, by our love for these people, um, to show that, yeah, that it's really um, a battle of love in a sense, right? We have to overcome these people with our generosity and living it. It's not like calling people out uh, so much as, yeah, just like supporting and standing up, um, of course, against laws and stuff, these things that are unjust, mm. um, but just sharing that, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would like to say too, like any men listening to this or whenever you listen to this, like, you can have a stance, and actually you should have a stance on these issues because this is not, as Michael said, just a women issue. Like, obviously it takes two to tango. Like, every in every abortion, uh, there is a father that uh, was somewhere not there. Um, and so it, it is a very important thing that men need to be willing to stand up for and be willing to, uh, yeah, speak out about because it's... I think Mother Teresa would say this, but it's just like the 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 issue That's of right. our time. It's the issue. It's the issue. And I think it's good to think about the long view too, like the end of our lives. You know, we look back like, well, is it something I kind of waffled on or did I really like stand up for life? You know, you think about those people like Germans, you know, not really kind of maybe not really knowing what's going on in the concentration camps. How do they look back later? Like, well, I... I didn't really know what was going on, you know, and maybe they didn't, you know, I don't want to judge those people, but the fact of like, we know what's going on physically in these lives. We know like the numbers of abortions happening. 
And we should, uh, we're going to have to, you were talking about that quote, you know, just be before God. And we want these, uh, these children there, you know, cheering us on <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Because we are going to have that moment of judgment, like that total silence, you know, possibly before God and just like totally no one there to support us. And so uh, how are we going to respond? You know, this is the only life we got to live, but also there's so many lives uh, that, yeah, God wants to bring this fruit, this love, this uh, vitality to the world. And so as men, we really just got to stand up and be bold and Catholic and really just be bold in our faith uh, to do that. Because, yeah, society at the top end, I think, you know, uh, a lot of the political side is, you know, winning uh, abortion-wise, but unlike the grassroots, I think, like, abortion or pro-life is often winning, which is great. So we just got to continually build. That's really good, Father, just to begin with the end in mind, as mm-hmm. uh, uh, who, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Uh, is that Covey? Yeah, Stephen Covey. Yeah. Uh, just begin with the end in mind. Think about, yeah, where you where where you want to be. You want to be, I, I, I mean, for me, it comes down. I want to be. I want to be known for an advocate of life. Yeah. If if there's nothing else, I want to be known for that. So I can go down uh, and say at least say I did that. So I think that might be a good place to end here. Uh, to begin with the end in mind. Uh, so just to to think about that. And um, thank you for for everyone for listening today. Father, you want to close us out in prayer? Yeah, sure. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for. The gift of our lives. Firstly, thank you for holding us in existence out of your great and fruitful love that you created us. May we always be men who are defenders of life, who protect and uh, respect the dignity of all women. And may we continually just be generous uh, with our lives too, generous and loving, uh, generous and courageous, never being afraid to to step out to speak to uh, the glory of life. And we ask all this through the intercession of St. Joseph and Mother Mary, all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sheepdogs. All right. Out. Sheepdogs out. Do it! Listen!